0: VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen.
1: VoiceOver on,
0: settings. So you can navigate it just by listening.
1: Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10
0: to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Quality sleep is
1: essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Only at a Sleep Number store or SleepNumber.com.
2: Hello, um, it's just Jane here tonight. Uh, well, it's tonight in London. It could be any old time wherever you are, couldn't it? I'm very aware of that. Um, Fee was very plucky. She came into work today, but she just had that. I'll be honest with you—slightly green around the gills look about her. So, uh, she did help me out with one interview that we recorded earlier, which you'll be able to hear tomorrow, and that's with Dr. Nicola Fox, who's head of science at NASA. And that was really interesting. And what was great was that Nicola sat there in Washington D.C. wearing a Na- looked well, like a really, really nice NASA white tracksuit top, which both Fee and I—and Fee, even in her poorly state—we both really wanted this top that Nicola was wearing. And then Nicola did tell us that she hadn't even been given it. She had to buy it from the NASA shop. So obviously (laughs) a little bit careful over at NASA with their resources. You would have thought the head of science would get a free top, but no. Anyway, um, you can hear what Nicola thinks about her job at NASA and how she got it on the podcast tomorrow. Um, But in a way, the fact that Fee isn't here today means that we can just get straight into today's interview on the programme which is very serious and I should say uh, right at the start that there are some sensitive subjects discussed during the course of the conversation so if this is something that you're not in the mood for or perhaps it's a little bit too close to home then I would absolutely understand if you don't want to hear it but today I spoke to Christine Flack um, who's the mother of Caroline Flack Uh, the TV presenter, the very successful TV presenter who took her own life in the February of 2020 when she was 40. Now, the previous December, Caroline had appeared in court uh, to plead not guilty to a charge of assault after an incident at her home involving her partner, a man called Lewis Burton. Now, the Crown Prosecution Service had recommended that Caroline should get a caution, but the Metropolitan Police appealed and charged her with assault by beating. The Met were ordered to apologise to Caroline's family after a review by the Independent Office for Police Conduct. Uh, And that um, apology is not something that Caroline's family are in any way satisfied with. So just to reiterate again that this discussion involves sensitive subjects and mentions of suicide and mental health issues. And I will give you more details of support available at the end of the interview. I put it to Christine that Caroline was somebody who, well, somebody who everyone noticed when she walked into a room.
3: Everybody said that. And even at home, if she'd come home for the weekend, your life was turned upside down. You were laughing. You were, you know, always having to do something. She wasn't one that really just sat there or, you know, there was always... And her friends have told me since, you know, if she walked in the room, whether it be a club or one of their homes that was it you yeah. know you'd laugh or you'd they'd be up to something
2: something was going to happen something
3: was going to happen yeah some people in life are like
2: that they enter a room and make things happen
3: yeah yeah yeah
2: and she was a twin uh yeah. and so her twin sister jody um it must be especially tough for her all this
3: i think yeah and uh, you know that that's something i don't even know how how bad it is for joe and she gets but she has her family. She got three little girls, and it's also hard for them because Carrie was so close to them. They used to call her Auntie Safe because she was one. You say, Joe, don't let them do this, don't let them do that. <laughs> but they'd always go to her, yeah. you know. And so the whole family really, um, yeah, it's it's hit them hard.
2: Twins, but very very different as personalities. Oh, totally different. Well, tell me totally a bit more different. about what they were like.
3: Um, just one example was like um, when they were at school. Joe would do everything that was sporty, um, outward, you know, um, walking, running, everything. Um, they did the Duke of Edinburgh, and Joe did it for a few years. Carrie went what, to one session; <laughs> that was enough. Yeah. She was, you know, um, so so different. She was she was into, her, you know, um, music and everything else.
2: So that performance gene was was very much apparent from oh, the start.
3: Yeah. Yeah, they used to. Um, they went to a lovely little village school, and the headmaster would let them put on assemblies. Um. <laughs> was
2: this? I mean, did this surprise you, or is it all in the family? The no,
3: it surprised me because my oldest two, uh, you know, are really quite quiet. Especially my oldest daughter. You know, mm. she's very quiet. Um, so this was, yeah. I think two of them they gave each other strength. Yeah. And Joe would always go along with whatever Carrie wanted to do, so she'd always join her in doing it
2: so it wasn't a surprise to you or the rest of the family when she caroline went to to stage school when she was quite quite young
3: she did she went at 16 yeah she did um that was all she wanted to do joe went off to um uni um to study broadcasting but carrie didn't she just wanted to um train um at dance school yeah singing acting
2: and did you have any any concerns about that as a future career for
3: her? No not at the time I thought it was lovely and I think you learn that especially because they I'd had two children then then I had the, the twins that let them do what they want to do in life if you can afford it and if you can back them let them do it so they both you know chose their paths and that's it and, and she you know she was happy and she did well yeah and
2: and were you at any time aware that even then perhaps her her mental health was not was not the greatest
3: yes yeah i must say that even as a little girl she'd have really big highs and then she'd be so down or cry you know and you you didn't know why um and then when she was at um dance school she did have a really bad time um then she got over it and it used to come mostly with breakups um, you know and, and and i think also with she had really bad pmt yeah and but it wasn't it it was something that was people would say oh, that's silly you know, it's, you well, know it was well it was nothing to go but she really did suffer with Yeah, that.
2: at its worst that can have the most ungodly impact on a, how a woman feels
3: yeah and i used to, and you'd know because some something small would really trigger something in her and then a few days later it'd be all right she'd go oh all right now yeah and um you know then she'd be back to her old self again
2: but rejection from other people and everyone goes through breakups but that was something that was always a really tough thing for her to cope with
3: very much so yeah what did
2: she say to you about it
3: um she wouldn't say a lot really um, she'd just go into herself and you'd just worry about her because maybe she wouldn't answer the phone so I'd go around there which was quite difficult because I was in Norfolk but it didn't take long to drive to her and just make sure she was all right by the time I got your mom what are you doing you know and um, joe was there all the time joe lived quite near her so she'd talk to her every day um and then she'd you know get over it and she'd make a joke about it but it was that I think it was. She'd put all her trust in someone. If she really liked someone, that was it. And then if you're let down, she took it so hard. She did so well,
2: though, and her success in show business was, I mean, stratospheric. I mean, she was a name that every person of a young age would, yeah. would know because she was on television with Ollie Mers, The X Factor Show, and then she did Love Island, of course. Mm. Um, I mean, she was really properly out there. As, as her mum, was that something you were really frankly worried about because you knew that the real Caroline was a rather different person to the one that we Um, all saw on the screen? At times
3: most of the time you know it it was lovely because I knew she was doing something she loved and and you know but just at times and I could see I, I she was on television once doing an interview and I could just see she wasn't right you could you could you knew how she answered questions how she was that she wasn't right and that's when you got worried but there was no way she would you know do anything else I I couldn't see her doing anything else.
2: No. So the career path to which she was totally suited ultimately was unsuitable for her. Yeah. Wasn't it, really?
3: Yeah. And I think that's that's the same for a lot of people in, in, in that business. Um, and it's they say it's acceptable and they say, oh, talk about it, it's acceptable, but <laughs> it isn't. What, what do
2: you mean, what isn't acceptable?
3: If... It, the, the, the having um, sort of depression at yeah. times, and that it, it's picked on as something else, um, and especially being a girl or being a woman. Um, you know, I think of I don't know, I can name names, but I don't like to today. But the other girls or women that used to talk to her and said, "Look, Carrie, it's going to be like that," and but you have to just go with it.
2: You mean the double standard, the fact that women have to be better people uh, than some men who are in the same world?
3: They're so much easier to pick on. And they don't realise what hurts. I I remember once in one outfit, and I was Caroline Flack pregnant. Would they say that about a man, or say how he looked, or what his hair was like, or... You know, and those things, although silly, and to me, I think, well, don't worry about it, Mm. but she would worry about it and i think lots of the girls would worry about it
2: were you aware that she was uh, perhaps paying too much attention to social media and what people some very vindictive things that she should be on her
3: phone all the time especially after the court case it was you couldn't stop her looking at it she looked at it the whole time and there were some really nasty things and in the papers um you know and, and people believe what (laughs) and there's no way to go against it. There's no way to come out. I really wish that I could have had the sort of bravery to come out then and do what I'm doing now, Mm. but I I couldn't. But now I think, well, there's nothing to lose. I've lost the most important thing in my life. So uh, it can't hurt me now, but at the time, and she was saying, oh, Mum, don't say anything. It's all going to be all right, you know. Um, But it wasn't.
2: Some of the relationships she had were incredibly um, public uh, and she was at one point, I think relatively briefly, going out with Prince Harry and in his memoir, Spare, he has talked about that and actually Mm. he's apologised for for the fuss that he caused your family Mm. just by that relationship with Caroline. But you must have been concerned at that point that this was just getting a little bit out of control and just too high profile.
3: Yeah, but, again, it was more of a friendship, and I knew about it. You know, he visited my other daughter. He was a nice lad, and it didn't go any further because of that. Uh, it wasn't, you know, they knew that it yeah. was never going to, anything was going to happen. But he's a nice, and he kept in touch with her, and she kept in touch with him. And um, she knew that, you know, he absolutely loved Megan, uh, or loves, you know, and, and so I don't think that was a bad thing, i, I I would never say that was a bad thing in her life
2: no well that's good to know and have you read have you read the book
3: i haven't i've read some of what he's he's, he's written about her because it's there well, he's, I haven't he's read very the whole positive
2: book. about her which...
3: and you know and and she she was about him mm-hmm. and i can't say anything different to that the train
0: is now approaching junction at platform passengers board, please stay on board Next stop, Road Station. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone.
1: Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry. And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, My guest this afternoon is Christine Flack, who is the mother
2: of Caroline Flack. Now, Christine, we we are going to talk now about what happened to Caroline, and she was involved in, um, well, you can tell us in your own words what happened. She was going out with a man called Lewis Burton, Mm -hmm. and they'd been on a night out, and...
3: They hadn't been out together, they'd been out separately, and um, they met back at Carrie's house, he used to say at Carrie's house, and... um, he fell asleep. He was very drunk. Carrie was drunk. They had, and um, she, his phone went off, and it was a text from a woman, mm-hmm. and she went to she said went to wake him up because she would got her phone in one hand, his in another, went to wake him up, and he got up and hit his head. Um, this is what she told me anyway, and. An argument got out of hand and he phoned the police. And what she'd done, she'd cut her wrist very badly down to the muscle.
2: Was that something she'd done before?
3: No, no.
2: So she was in great distress?
3: Yeah, because she knew if he phoned the police, that was it. And I don't think he realised what her life was like with press and everything else, the media. Um... And I think she was begging him not... And he did. Anyway, that, 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 that's, that's what happened. He phoned the police. And um, on the way, then he started seeing that Carrie was really so hurt. He told the police and they phoned an ambulance and the ambulance came to the um, the flat.
2: And uh, that incident completely changed her professional life. Well, in fact, she didn't have a professional life Nothing after, after
3: that. No, nothing. How,
2: how quickly did everything just fall apart?
3: Um, days, just days. She was, you know, everything was cancelled. Um, even before she went to, um, the hearing, the first hearing, everything was cancelled.
2: Now, the Crown Prosecution Service, we now know, had advised that Caroline receive a caution. Yes. What, What did Caroline think about that? Was she, was that something she could have, could have dealt with?
3: Oh, yeah, because... When the police arrived at a house, yeah. it's been reported that it was a bloodbath. That was all Carrie's blood.
2: Because she'd cut herself? And
3: Because she'd cut herself. That was never reported, that it was Carrie's. A picture was taken of it by her boyfriend and he sent it to another girl mm. who sent it to the press. Right. And and that, I think that was the last straw. When she found that out, that was the last straw. She she couldn't believe anyone could could do that. Um, to her. And um, and the police then, they, they had to take her to hospital, but instead of letting her go home and her going back the next day, they took her then straight and put her in a cell for nearly 24 hours. And her twin sister waited outside the police station. They wouldn't let her in to see her for eight hours.
2: Um, what did you know about this at the time?
3: They phoned me straight away. Jodie phoned me. And she said, it's All right, mum, I'm here. And she was the first one to say, Look, they're just cautioning her. So don't worry, because I would have gone straight there. As it was, I went in the morning, because this was all overnight. Um, but by the time I started to go, Joe said, Oh, they've changed their mind. A policeman came out and said to her, Oh, no, they've changed their mind. There's a policeman in there, well, it turned out to be a policewoman, who said she'd let someone go before and didn't want that to happen again. I've since found out it was the very, very first time this policewoman had ever challenged a CPS decision, and I've only found that out in the last few weeks.
2: Right. I do have a statement from the Metropolitan Police, which I just think I should read at this mm-hmm. point. Our thoughts and th- sympathies remain with uh, Caroline Flack's family for their loss, and we are sorry the impact this has had on them. When a person is arrested, they can be held in custody for a period of up to 24 hours to allow officers time to gather evidence and investigate the alleged offence. The person is allowed legal representation and an appropriate adult is provided if necessary. A review by the Independent Office of Police Conduct did not identify any misconduct in relation to the handling of Caroline Flack's arrest. However, it concluded that one officer involved in the investigation should get reflective practice. Um, when our reflective practice is jargon, I assume, for training. Mm.
3: The thing is, they say in there, they've even said it in there that it's wrong, that it was evidence, they collected no evidence. They had no, they didn't go back, as it was an evidential-led case, they didn't go back to the flat and get any evidence. Nothing. And and the person that persisted in um, her being prosecuted asked someone else to look at the body cam, asked someone else to read the notes. She'd done nothing. And why they can't tell me much was because no statements were taken from Caroline or Lewis and nothing was written down by the police people. The one policeman that went to the house and then went back has now left the force and he will, he's refused to give a statement.
2: So the police apology, as far as you're concerned, is worth...
3: It's nothing because they didn't... Apo- they, they looked into it themselves and, and I've got the letter with me. It says there was nothing wrong. That's why I went to the OPC. All they could investigate was the police's investigation. And they found that it was lacking. So that statement is not correct. It was found lacking in many parts. Even the coroner said Caroline had been treated differently. And the matrix used, to go back to the CPS was incorrect.
2: We we know now because this is 2019 we should say. We yes. know now rather more about the Metropolitan Police than we did yeah. back then and we know a lot more about how they treat women. Mm-hmm. I know this is a very different case to some of the awful uh, incidents and crime mm-hmm. murders that we've and rapes that we've talked about involving police officers. But do you think this is another example of the Metropolitan Police not treating a woman properly or fairly?
3: Oh, it- totally totally wrong i'm my partner is ex-met for many years and the whole time he's saying that they can't do that they can no they can't do that even the duty sergeant could have said to her go home they have 14 days to charge her and it, and again in the IOPC report it's, it says it looks like the police detective that was on wanted to wrap it up
2: so Ooh. they kept her yeah, I mean, it's it's not for me to make the Met's case, except I suppose I'm I'm honour bound to point out that the Met have got to take domestic abuse yep. seriously. We all believe that, and maybe they felt that they had to take this case involving mm. happened to involve an alleged female, yeah,
3: but she wasn't charged with domestic abuse; she was no, charged okay. with common assault, right? Which is the same as having a fight in the in the street or a pub. It wasn't um, domestic abuse. And, and that's one of the things that she was labelled a domestic abuser. She, you know, she was five foot nothing and he was six foot five. That doesn't mean anything. If she had a gun, she could have shot yeah. him. But he only had to put his hand out and she, she couldn't do anything.
2: And what about the way she was treated by the people she was working for at the time? um I mean, it sounds to it seems as though their the lack of interest in her all of a sudden was that, exactly that it was overnight. she just lost
3: her job. That's it. It had gone. Love Island was gone. She would got another um show series that she'd already taped that was ready to come out in a few months. That was cancelled. um The people she worked with were amazing and a lot of them are the people that put on flaxstock um that we you know we had last year and we're doing again this year. The producers yeah. and the the you know the, all the crew were amazing, and they they still are, and they are to me as well.
2: I think that must be hugely comforting to you that those people who knew her and worked yeah. with her have stayed absolutely loyal. absolutely loyal
3: yeah, they have they've been yeah an amazing group of friends. Yeah,
2: well, I hope, that, I hope that does give you comfort. Your life, though, has been utterly changed by this, hasn't it? I Completely. Mean, it's a I don't different, suppose for yeah. one minute you want to be here um, talking like this.
3: A, it, your life goes on, but it's not the same. It'll never be the same, you know, because Caroline's not in it. Or anyone that's lost a, a child or anyone, it, it's just, it, it changes it. it, And for no reason. Um, and it's even worse to think, I don't know how she must have felt that Day that she hung herself because that isn't an easy, that's not an easy choice. It's not an easy thing to do.
2: No, I'm. I'm once again, I really want to say to people who've been upset by all of this um, that this is an extremely difficult thing for you to talk about, and it's a. I, I don't know how you put one foot in front of another every day, Christine. And I imagine there are lots of other people listening who also want mm. to say how sorry we all are about what happened. Um, and I just wonder whether you think that ITV could have done more. I mean, they have, we don't want to mention any names, I know mm. you won't, but they have stuck by some other television presenters, um, uh, uh, you know, and they've been dogged in their support
3: of them. Totally, totally. And that's, that's what makes you angry. Um, you, you, you're sad because you've lost, you know, your daughter, but it's, you get angry. And that's what is hard for me. I'm always angry when I see things or hear things. You know, you get, and I don't want to be. I, you know, this world—it doesn't seem a very nice place at the moment, and especially for women. It—it—it—it it, it, it really doesn't.
2: You must have some so many happy memories of Caroline, though. Oh, you know, she was a joy bringer.
3: She was, and, and she'd take us everywhere. You know, if she was doing something good, she'd take one of us or you know and and the kids they were all involved in her life she didn't you know she phoned me every single day sometimes it was really good sometimes it was really bad <laughs> she ran you,
2: anyway. you know yeah
3: as i answered the phone that you could tell by you know mom you'll never guess who i'm with or mama oh, but she took us along with her and she did have a lovely life and that's why i don't want to put other girls off doing what they want and her main the best thing ever was when she was in chicago and the whole family went. With, the whole family went in one go to watch her, yeah. and it was just a wonderful memory. And she won strictly. She won strictly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she did. You know, she did some wonderful things. Um, and if she'd have been a different type of person, she may have got over this. I don't know, but she couldn't.
2: And that was Christine Flack, the mother of the TV presenter Caroline Flack. Now, if you have been affected by anything discussed in that conversation, please do email feedback at times.radio and you'll be sent a list of resources to support you because I appreciate that there was a lot of um, material in the course of that conversation that let's be honest is is deeply upsetting and um those of us who only knew Caroline um via her television work obviously knew just a tiny aspect of her personality and it's it's so so very different when you hear often of course from people's mums in particular because they always know uh the real person um what they were actually like and um what they went through so our uh, best wishes do go to Caroline Flack's family, in particular her mum, who I think, as you'll agree if you heard that, uh, comes across as, as such a nice woman. So I hope that in some way uh, the conversation she's now having in public about Caroline uh, bring her some sort of closure and a, a degree of comfort and perhaps a change in the way, uh, let's be honest, uh, female television personalities, famous women are perceived and treated, because there is no doubt Um, it's significantly harder uh, to be a woman in the public eye, particularly uh, at the level of fame that Caroline Flack had, uh, than to be a man. Um, It's just very much harder. Um, I just wanted to briefly mention um, a couple of your emails. Um, This is from a listener, I don't think we need to give her name, who just says, I was listening to your interview with Elizabeth Day. Uh, Could you at some point have a grief psychologist on your programme to discuss what happens when a good friend dies? I like to think I'm a bit of an expert on grief as a fair few family members have died. My brother when he was only 10, my lovely mum when she was just 52, and then my dad fairly recently, and I've navigated these horrific events fairly well, or so I thought. Then last month, completely out of the blue, a close friend died, and it's completely floored me. I've actually made an appointment to see a therapist for the first time in my life. It's like the floodgates have opened and all the grief has poured out of me. She was close in age um, that my mum she was close in age to the age that my mum was when she died, and I keep seeing myself in her daughters and I'm grieving for what I've lost a friend who knew me so well. I sometimes find it hard to breathe as I think about her dying and her deafening absence. I know the immediate family is grieving their massive loss, and quite rightly, the sympathy is directed at them, but for the outer circle of friends, they now need to navigate a new world where there is a big, empty space. Um, I think that's a really good point, and and perhaps that's something we could cover on the programme, the idea that uh, when a friend dies, it's a very particular sort of grief, and it can be extraordinarily painful and personal. So um, we'll see if we can do exactly that. And thank you very much for that suggestion, and you are very welcome um, to make suggestions. Now, Fee made the point yesterday that it's actually really difficult to find a funny, good novel novel. I mean, it's It's true. It's so easy uh, to write a book about abject misery. And let's face it, lots of people do it. <laughs> but it's significantly harder to write a comic book. Well, you know what I mean, a com- comedic book. And Una says, I highly recommend Heartburn by Nora Ephron, Property by Lionel Shriver, and Stars and Bars by William Boyd. I reread these once a year. They are clever, insightful, and so so funny right una thank you for that that sounds like a three rock solid recommendations thank you um and this from anonymous just heard jane mention the ellie griffith series of books yes i do love those i love them too says anonymous they're quite a light read despite the alarming number of murders for such a small area of norfolk (laughs) but there's something real about ruth the archaeologist yeah i agree and i think that's why i like the books she's got cats wears loose black clothes but adds colorful scarves scarves i really can't speak colorful scarves because to quote the books even fat people can buy scarves <laughs> i would recommend for something easy when life is a bit stressful i mean when is life not a bit stressful it's always stressful isn't it but i totally take your point anonymous um i love those books too they are a sort of a uh, literary place of safety aren't they because you kind and i mean this in the nicest possible way you kind of know what's coming but um and it and by the way, um the uh, character at the centre of events, Ruth the Archaeologist, she's not without admirers. She yes, absolutely. It's all happening out there in rural norfolk where the murder rate is through the roof um dear jane and fee thank you for the interesting interview yesterday with alice Wynn. says judith my grandfather and step-grandfather were also both at marlborough college and each ended up at the very tail end of the first world war in different locations due to being just slightly younger than the boys that alice researched researched and wrote about and isn't that it's amazing isn't it that it's a total accident of birth if you were born in i don't know uh, 1880 uh actually you might have fought in the first world war but if you were born in 1870 you would have been probably all right and if you were born in 1905 you probably would have been all right but either side of it um you might have been in real trouble. In other words you would have had to join up. And actually something that we didn't have time to mention in Alice Wynne's book was the white feathers that women would routinely hand out to men they saw in the street if they were not wearing uniform and that is something that's a very poignant detail of her book. Judith goes on to say, uh, in the cases of my grandfather and step-grandfather the two 18-year-olds seem to have had a lot of luck in their timing and experiences. My grandfather joined the Indian army, sailed across the med in 1917 to join his regiment in north africa twice his ship was torpedoed and he was rescued from the sea Uh, then later he was part of a brutal battle against the german and turkish armies in palestine where just one person in ten survived his dear family letter details the reality and aftermath of the battle too gruesome to share But the letter ended up in the Imperial War Museum, says Judith. Uh, Whereas my step-grandfather joined his regiment in 1918, went to France and Belgium, marching across northern Europe to the front in November that year when they were due to engage in a big battle the exact day before the war ended. So his experience was being with the first soldiers that entered the newly liberated town where the people went absolutely mad with joy at seeing us, he wrote. He documents in his letter... What marvellous English his host spoke, Uh, learning from old English books and being invited to seat yourselves, bold sirs. The maiden will bring you wine. Wow. I mean, that's a very emotive, (laughs) emotive sentence, isn't it? The interview with Alice brought home that my grandfather's school days would have been marked by all the announcements of the deaths of their older peers. And yet both eagerly set off for their respective battlefields. Um, Judith, that's really, that's food for thought, isn't it? And thank you very much for telling us about your step-grandfather and your grandfather. And we love getting your emails. Uh, we love hearing about your families, your experiences, what you're cross about, whatever, we don't care. Uh, so please do keep getting involved. Uh, it is Jane and Fee at times.radio and join both of us, I hope, uh, tomorrow, if you can. Have a good night. You did it. Elite listener status for you for getting through another half hour or so of our whimsical ramblings. Otherwise known as the hugely successful podcast Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. We missed the modesty class. <laughs> our Times Radio producer is Rosie Cutler, the podcast executive producer. It's a man. It's Henry Tribe. Yeah, he's an executive. Now, if you want even more, and let's face it, who wouldn't, then stick Times Radio on at three o'clock Monday until Thursday every week. And you can hear our take on the big news stories of the day as well as a genuinely interesting mix of brilliant and entertaining guests on all sorts of subjects. Thank you for bearing with us and we hope you can join us again on Off Air very soon.
0: VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen.
1: VoiceOver on, settings.
0: So you can navigate it just by listening.
1: Books, contacts, calendar,
3: double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11.
0: And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone.
1: Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig.